In the book of Isaiah, if you've got the Word of God, we're looking at verse number 14. Like I said, we're going to use this as a launching point just to get into the message. Probably won't be before you too long. Amen. The verse number 14 says this, Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer. Notice that. Your Redeemer. The Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Amen tonight. He's still the Holy One. Amen. He is my King tonight. And I love Him. And I want to serve Him to the very best of my ability. Amen. But thus saith the Lord, verse number 16, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. So remember not, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I like this. This is what got my attention. Behold, look here, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's the Holy One that's able to do all things. That's the King of kings that's able to make a way when we can see no way tonight. And I'm glad that we can serve Him no matter what you may be going through, no matter what you may be facing tonight. Friend, you may feel like you're at the end of your rope. Can I give you some hope tonight? God will make a way. So if we title the message anything, it would be that. When I can see no way, God will make a way. Why? Because He's able tonight. Amen. And I'm glad He is. Let us pray for just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You not as humbly as we know how. God, we need Your help tonight. God, we need Your touch. God, I pray for these next few moments You just settle in with us. God, help make preaching easy. God, help, make, uh, help, help us to deliver something that will touch the hearts of Your people. I don't know what they're going through, but God, You certainly do. And I'm glad, God, that You're able to make a way when I can see no way, Lord, we love you. Ask for this in all the, the holiest name we know, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Got to read and read a lot this past couple of weeks. It's amazing how much time you have when you're at home. You don't have to go to work. You're not able to work. And I tried to take advantage of some of that time. Got to reading through the scriptures of where we could see how it seemed like there was no hope in the life of God's people. But time and time again, God proved Himself that He was able to make a way. Amen. Looking in Exodus chapter number 12, we find here Moses and Aaron. He's confronting Pharaoh with the children, over the children of Israel. They're caught up in the bondage of Egypt. And they've been here for 400, around 400 years. When they entered into Egypt, Joseph, he was the ruler. Amen. And he brought his family in so that they could have a way of escaping the famine. God made a way for them then. But over time, different rulers took over. Rulers that didn't know the God of heaven. The rulers that didn't know the God of Joseph. Rulers didn't even know who Joseph was. So Egypt turned Israelites into their slaves. And they were in bondage. And time after time, God had had enough here. And time after time, Moses went before Pharaoh said, I'm going to send a plague upon, my, on, on, upon your people if you don't let my people go. 
And we read through all these plagues that he sent. He sent the water turn into blood. He sent the frogs. He sent lice. He sent uh, flies. He sent the pestilence of the livestock. He sent bulls over all the Egyptians. He sent a, the, the storm of rain and a, a fire and hail. He sent locusts to devour all the crops. And he sent darkness to cover all the land. These nine things God did. And every time when Pharaoh said he would let his people go, he hardened his heart against God. So God said, I'm going to do a final thing. This is the final judgment. You're getting ready to come into a time of great darkness here. I'm going to kill every firstborn in the house. Whether it be your child, whether it be your livestock, I'm going to wipe them all out. I've had enough. I said let my people go. That's the same God we're serving tonight. I think God still gets tired of sin sometimes, amen. Sometimes I think he says to the devil, let my people go. Get them out from under the bondage of sin, amen. But what did Pharaoh do? He hardened his heart one more time. And this plague was sent. And there came a warning. And this was going to affect the house of Israel just as much as it was going to affect the Egyptians' house. But oh, God made a way of escape. Aren't you glad God still makes a way of escape? Amen. They could see no way out. This judgment was coming upon them. But when they could see no way, God made a way. He said, you take a lamb. You take a spotless lamb, you take a clean lamb, you, you take it and you dress it out, you eat it and you take the blood and you put it over the doorposts of your house. And when the great destructor comes at midnight, when he comes to pass over, if he sees the blood, your house will be saved. I'm glad tonight that God is still making a way for his people, amen. When we can see no way, God's able to make a way. When judgment was cast upon me, I, all I had to do was plead the blood, take it and put it on the doorposts of my heart, amen. God made a way for me to escape the darkness of death that was coming. And a great cry fell over the land because God did exactly what he said he was going to do. Judgment fell. Friend, judgment's coming one day. Are you ready when it comes? I'm glad God has made a way of escape for us tonight of that. Second thing I saw as I was reading through God, He made a way of escape at the Dead Sea. We see how the children of Israel were delivered from the bondage. Pharaoh finally said, you can leave. Get your people. Take them out of here. I've had enough of this destruction. I've had enough of this despair that God's put us under. He realized that he had messed up. But it wasn't very long as they started their journey out into the wilderness. They came into a body of water. There was nowhere for them to cross. And all of a sudden, they could hear in the distance the chariots coming after them. Pharaoh had changed his mind one more time. Don't you think he would have learned enough? That's the way the devil is. Don't you think now he would have learned enough to know that he's not going to be victorious over God? God can still make a way when we see no way. And fear gripped their hearts. And if you read the story over there in Exodus chapter number 14, you, you, they start talking about how they wish they'd just stayed in Egypt. How much better they would have stayed in Egypt. How better off they would have been. They wouldn't have been under the fear of death. They wouldn't be under the fear of captivity. What was going to happen to them once Pharaoh's men caught up to them? Friend, they were in a dire strait. They were at a dead end. They could see no way of escape. But aren't you glad that wasn't the end of it tonight? Amen. God had a different plan. God could make a way for them to escape their dead end. He told Moses, he said, spread your arms and 
spread the rod out over the water. And the waters parted. And the Dead Sea, or the Red Sea, parted. And they walked across on dry land. There was dry ground. Do you get a hold of that? How powerful God was to take water that it, or land that had been soaked for years and years and years uh, to immediately dry it up so that they could walk across. If we go out here in the yard after a heavy rainstorm, we're going to sink up a couple of inches in the mud. But they walked across on dry ground. That's what the Bible says, amen. When God does something, He does it right tonight, amen. He's still able to make a way when we're at the dead end. So they crossed over. The Pharaoh's army thought they could follow him in through that. All it took was one word. And the seas come back together on top of them. Not one of them escaped that watery grave. Like I said, when God does something, He does it well, friend. When God does something, He does it right. When God does something in your life, amen, it may not be exactly how we think it ought to happen. No doubt they, they didn't think they'd have to walk through water that was parted on, on both sides of them. They didn't see this in their imagination because we can't see things the way God sees them. But I'm glad that we don't, amen, because if we did, boy, think of the limitations we put on God Almighty. He's able to do all things. And they crossed over to the other side. And we see here that God was able to make a way when they could see no way from their dead end. What really got my mind to turning this week, I listen to music while I'm studying. I don't like silence. I don't like for things around me to be quiet. And there was an old song that come on while I was studying, and that was the title. It said, God will make a way when it seems all hope is gone. And he'll let you know everywhere you go that you'll never be alone. That's a, that, that lyric just struck me so hard that God can make a way. And I read over a little farther. I flipped over into the book of Daniel and started reading about three Hebrew boys, three Hebrew children that stood faithful when Nebuchadnezzar said, Bow. When the king said bow, what you've got to understand is when the king says, gives a decree, you are under obligation to obey him. He's the ruler of the land. How many of us would do the same thing as these three Hebrew boys did? We know all of the story of that, how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were uh, serving him. and they, They'd been tried and found faithful and true. And he'd put them, Nebuchadnezzar had put them in an area of leadership in the country. Let's just turn over there real quick. Daniel chapter number uh, 3. Daniel chapter number 3. If you, I'll read it. You don't have to turn. I'll read it for sake of time. Daniel chapter number 3. Look and begin in verse number 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, I want to take you on a little trip real quick. If you could just imagine how big and massive this, this idol was that he set up, this statue, this thing he erected, it's made of solid gold, how big it was. Scripture tells us it was what, 60 cubits tall? That's about 90 feet tall, nine stories tall. Now, how tall is this church roughly? 25 feet to the ceiling, 30 feet? That's probably a stretch. You take something three times taller than that, about nine feet wide at the base, that thing's going to stick out like a sore thrust thumb. 
And if it's made of gold, when the light hits it, it's going to shine every direction. It was erected so everybody in the nation, when they saw it and they heard the music play, the king commanded, it's time for you to bow. Don't worship no other gods. I want you to worship me. I'm the king. It only takes just a little bit of power to go to their heads to think that they can rule over God Almighty. That's where Nebuchadnezzar was at. And he commanded the people, everybody, when they, when they play the music, I want everybody to bow, and I want you to worship. That's my decree. Nebuchadnezzar commanded that. And we read down in verse 5 where he says that, where, he, where you hear all these things. Number 6, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Friend, can I tell you something? God will make a way at a death sentence. He's still able to deliver, amen. And I love the response that the, these three Hebrew boys had. But we find in verse number 12 where the tattlers come. They say, there are certain Jews among, uh, certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, they, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Don't you know he was angry? Oh, he was mad. These men were handpicked. They were the chosen ones that he himself had picked to put in power. Surely they would be the ones to follow after him. Surely they'd be the one, first ones to bow the knee if he commanded such a thing. But he didn't know the God that they served. He didn't know the God that we served, amen. We serve the all-powerful God. We serve a jealous God. He don't want nobody else getting any attention, amen. There's no other, no other God under heaven that's worthy to be worshipped this morning. He's the holy one. He's the righteous one. He's the only one that deserves the honor, the glory, and the praise, amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered in verse 16 and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, our God, capital G, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. You talk about faith right here, but if not. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We need some people in this day and age that's not going to bow the knee to the things of the world. We need some people that's not going to bow their knee to the pressures of outside influences on the church. Amen. We need people that's going to stick true to the one God of heaven. Just like these boys showed us here. And Nebuchadnezzar was so angry in his fury. He said, heat the furnace seven times hotter than it already is. And if you look into this at all, you realize this furnace was about 1,800 degrees that these boys were thrown into. We ate at a homecoming this past weekend, and I used this for an illustration. There was a lot of those women. They were baking cakes and doing all those things, Brother Tony. And they, no doubt they'd put stuff in their oven and set it to broil. The hottest temperature of our oven is usually about 550 degrees if you look at the knob. I don't know if that's 100% accurate or not, but that's pretty hot. My wife was fixing some squash and zucchini and onions the other, uh, other day, and she turned it on broil to brown the top of it. She said, Adam, go check that real quick. And I went in there, and I pulled that oven door down, and a brush of steam come out like it took my eyebrows off. I had nothing left hardly because it was hot. 
I can't imagine the heat that was coming off of something over three times hotter than that oven was. The scripture tells us that it was so hot that the men that bound these boys up and cast them into the furnace, they were destroyed by the fire themselves. How hot can you imagine this is? And Nebuchadnezzar was so cruel to these boys that he said, put all their clothes on them, bind them up in ropes. Why did he do that? Now, if you look at this, you think, why? Why would that, why would that even matter? Because that would be the first thing that would burn. And they would feel the fire from this, their clothes and the ropes burning on their body. Can you imagine how painful that would be before you're consumed by the fire itself? We can't comprehend the, 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 what they were going through. We can't comprehend the pressure that they were under. But they did not bow the knee to the king because they were not worried. They knew their God was able to deliver because he can make a way when they could see no way. After he threw them into the fire, got to looking. I believe he peered over. He got as far away from that as he could because he could feel the heat from where he was at. And he said, come here. He called his other ones, come here. Didn't we cast three men down in there? Shouldn't they be burned up by now? He said, lo, I see three, four men upright walking around, and there's no harm come on them. That's the God that we serve. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know that God could make a way for these boys, but these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knew full well that God was able to make a way in their, in their death sentence, amen, in their fiery furnace. And Scripture tells us that he, they come walking out. There was no harm done to them. None of their clothes were burned. No hair sins. No smell of smoke. That's how powerful God is. They could get surrounded by the heat. They could get surrounded by the flames and not be touched, not be harmed because our God is able to do all things tonight. Aren't you glad that He is? Amen. And because of their faithfulness, Nebuchadnezzar said, we'll only serve your God. He's power, more powerful than all our gods. I want to serve your God. What a testimony. What a witness they were because three Hebrew boys were found faithful in the fire. Their God was able to deliver them in a death sentence when they could see no way out. I read on over the book of Luke chapter number 4. I'm glad tonight God can make a way in disease. Luke 4.38 says, And he arose out of the synagogue, this is Jesus, and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately, not next week, not after she went and saw the doctor, not after she took her medicine, not anything like that, said immediately she arose and ministered unto them. They had come in to pray with her, and she got up and ministered unto them. I'm glad we're serving a God tonight that's able to deliver from any disease that's known to man. He's able to make a way when the doctor says there's no hope, when the doctor says you'll never get out from under this sentence of death because of the disease you have. God's able to make a way. I have a friend over in Mountain City, Tennessee tonight. About two weeks ago, they gave him two months to live, colon cancer. And he sends me a message every week with scripture on a Saturday usually encouraging this preacher's heart to give us some joy for the journey, amen. He's not giving up. He's believing that God will make a way. I'm believing tonight that God will make a way for him. But if not, just like those three Hebrew boys, if he don't choose to deliver on this earthly plane that we walk in, 
He will deliver him over to the other side. He will have pure victory, amen. He will have pure joy, and he will have the ultimate healing down in his body. Why is that? Because God is able to make a way tonight. You may be battling something in your own life. You may be sick and not even told anybody about it. Friend, can I tell you something? God is able to make a way. God can do all things. He can, he can do all things, and he can make a way in time of disease. Reading on over into the book of Mark, I find where God will make a way in the deep. Mark chapter number 6, we all know this story, how the disciples were out on a boat. Verse number 45 of chapter number 6 of Mark, it says, In straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, he alone on the land, and he saw them toiling. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him were troubled, and immediately he talked to them. There ain't nothing like the voice of God tonight. There ain't nothing when he speaks, amen. When he's, this is the same God. This is the same one that spoke just a couple of chapters earlier when they were out on the sea and Jesus was in the, the boat himself asleep going to the other side. They knew the voice of God. They, they've seen all the mighty miracles that he's performed. They've seen all the great things that he's done. And they heard the voice when they went and cried, Master, don't you care that we're dying here? Carest thou not that we perish? This is the same one that they went and woke up when their water was filling up with, when their boat was filling up with water. And they heard him talk to the sea. Peace, be still. There's something about the voice of Jesus tonight, amen. Do you remember when he spoke to you? I remember when he spoke peace into my heart, amen. There ain't nothing like the voice. And I know when he's speaking because I know his voice. These men knew him, they knew his voice as well. And they were so troubled until he spoke to them. And when he spoke, they recognized his voice in peace. Say, hey, the master's here. He knows we're going to be all right. But don't you know that the, this, this is the time that Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. He sent them on ahead. They just come through the feeding of the 5,000. They just, just seen mighty miracles work of how much food had come out of five loaves and two little fishes. They'd seen how great of things that he was able to do. And Jesus said, I'm going to leave you for a little while. I'm going to walk around, go up to the mountain to pray. Y'all head on over to the other side. I know you're tired. Get on over there and rest. And the same master that went up to the mountain to pray knew that there was going to be a storm coming. He knew where they were going to be found. I like what it says when he found them. When he looked and saw them, said that he saw them toiling and rowing. When sailing's easy, when the wind's at your back and you got the wind in your sails, that makes for an easy trip across the ocean or across the lake, across the sea, wherever you're at. But when that wind's blowing in your face, you got to put the sails down. you got to get the oars out. you got to start putting some labor into it. you got to start working a little bit. you got to start putting some arm muscles into it, put your back muscles into it. And he says he saw them tolling and rowing. 
Even though the waves were rolling high, even though the winds were blowing hard, they didn't give up. They didn't quit. They kept working, doing what they, he, Jesus had commanded them to do. He, they didn't give up one time. And Scripture says he saw them right where they were. The wind was blowing against them so hard they couldn't, make no, uh, no, couldn't advance any farther in their vessel. But they did not give up. They kept rowing. They kept toiling. They kept doing what they were supposed to do. Friends, tonight, can I tell you something? You may feel like Jesus has left you all alone. You may feel like he's gone somewhere else and he's abandoned you. Can I tell you something? He's commanded you tonight just to go to the other side. So when the storm starts blowing against you, he's saying, don't give up rowing. It ain't time to put down your oars and lay down. It's time then to start digging in. Give it all you got. Start pushing. Start pulling them oars back. Get that boat. Keep it trying. Do it as hard as you can. Keep it working because that's what he's commanded you to do tonight. God expects us to keep doing what he's commanded us to do. And don't you know they got tired? Don't you know tonight they got weary? Don't you know tonight that most likely they felt like giving up? The scripture says this time they didn't give up. They didn't question him this time. And when he spoke to them, oh, peace come in. And then when he got into their boat, the wind ceased and they were sore amazed. That's how powerful God is. Even though they were caught up toiling and rowing, they didn't give up. When they could see no way out of the storm, Jesus came to where they were. Just because you can't see him tonight don't mean he don't know where you're at. Just because you can't feel him tonight don't mean he doesn't know where you're at. Just because that he's not in your boat right now. Figuratively speaking, you can't see him. You can't tell him nowhere around him. You don't feel God anywhere. Friend, can I tell you something? When we can't see no way, God is able to make a way, amen. Because high from his point of view, from the throne room of heaven, he's not lost one of his children. He sees exactly where you're at. He sees you toiling. He sees you rowing. He's seeing that, that you're not giving up. He's seeing your faithfulness along the way. And friend, can I give you hope tonight? When it feels like you can see no way, he can make a way. When you can't go to where he's at, the disciples couldn't get out on the water. They couldn't turn back. They'd gone too far. They had to keep pushing on. I'm glad tonight he came to where they were. In the deepest, darkest storms of our life, when we see no way out, when we see no way of escape, friend, he can come right to where we are. Why is that? Because when I can see no way, he can make a way. Amen. That's how powerful our God is tonight. And lastly tonight, I believe God will make a way from eternal destruction. When I can see no way, oh, he's able to make a way, friend. It's appointed under men once to die, Hebrews 9, 27. And after this, the judgment. I'm glad when that day comes, I have a heavenly Father that knows my name. Why is that? Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life tonight. Why is that, you say? Because I can take you back to a place where I knelt down in a little lady's house right beside her couch and I called out upon the Lord to save my wretched soul. And he came right to where I was. Friend, I had no way of escaping the, the, what was under me within my own power. You realize that tonight? And if you're under the sound of my voice, you have no way of escaping this judgment that's to come within your own power. But when we could see no way, friend, when we could see no way, God made a way. What are you talking about tonight? My mind goes back to where he was born as a baby of a virgin, raised up 
And 33 and a half years later, they nailed him to an old rugged cross. Not, that wasn't the end of it, amen. They put him in an old borrowed tomb. And after three days, he rose again, victorious over hell, victorious over death, victorious over the grave. Because death could not hold him. He had the power to lay down his life, and he had the power to take it up again. That's the God that we're serving tonight. He's the one that can make a way when we can see no way. And because I had an encounter with him one night, because I asked him to save me, he made a way in my life that I don't have to go to that awful place. Ain't none of us promised anything, not promised another breath, not promised another heartbeat. We're not promised to walk out these doors tonight. And friends, you better make sure that you know this one that's able to make a way. The one that's able to do all things. Have you trusted in him tonight? There's a warning in Matthew chapter number 7. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, that's a sad word right there, many. How many are deceived? How many are fooled? Thinking you could sing enough. Thinking that you could come to church enough. Thinking that you could pray enough. To think that you could serve enough. To think you could work enough to replace the blood. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And I, thy, thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. That's the thing there. They're trusting in their works. We're not living in a works-based salvation. I can only work because He gave me grace in my soul, amen. Because He came to where I was, I want to work for Him. But you can't be good enough to earn your way into heaven. You can't give enough money to get your way into heaven. You can't pray. I mean, you can't uh, come to church. You can't, you can't do anything outside of calling upon the Lord Jesus to be saved tonight. But I believe many are deceived thinking that they can't. Say, hey, I've come, I've put in my time tonight, check that box off the list. God, I've done you a favor. I've come in here tonight. Now you've got to bless me. That's the mentality of a lot of folks. And I'm afraid when it comes judgment day, and it's coming for sure, that many are going to be found wanting because they've not trusted in the only thing that's going to save them. I'm not trusting in my singing tonight. I'm certainly not trusting in my preaching tonight. I'm not trusting in any of my ability tonight. I'm only trusting in the God that can make a way when I can see no way. What are you trusting in tonight? Amen. Have you trusted in Him? Or are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in Him? Or are you trusting in your works? He's really all that matters. He's the only thing that matters. Amen. And when it comes our time to die, we better make sure that we've got Him. You may be able to pull the wool over your preacher's eyes. You may be able to pull the wool over my eyes. And if I look out over you, everything looks great to me. But you better not put your confidence in what I'm seeing. You better not put your confidence in what I think. Because I can't see what's in your heart. God can. He knows exactly who you are. And even though we come in here sometimes and we try to put the best on that we've got, we try to fool Him, it ain't enough. 
He can see right through all this facade that we have. He knows exactly who we are. He knows where we've been this week. He knows who we've talked about, what we've talked about, everything we've said. He knows all about us. He knows every breath that we've taken. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every little nuance about us. And he's able to see right through any fake walls that we put up. That's how God is. That's how powerful he is. And that's the one I'm trusting in tonight. Who are you trusting in tonight? I'm glad that when I can see no way, he can make a way tonight. He's able to do all things. As we stand to our feet, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I thank you for your attention tonight. And I'm glad that God can still make a way when I can see no way. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this evening, God, for who you are, for how powerful you are. God, you are the Holy One. God, you are the King, my King, as Isaiah said. Oh, God, we're trusting in you tonight for our everything. Because, God, we know within ourselves that we would certainly fall. And if I was trusting within myself for anything outside of you, I would surely perish. But, God, I'm glad I have hope tonight because I'm trusting in the one that cannot fail. I'm trusting in the one that's able to do all things. When I can see no way, God, I'm glad tonight you are able to make a way. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight. And God, as we depart, God, I pray you'd help us to search our heart. Oh, God, search our souls to make sure that everything's good between us and you. Make sure everything's right between us and you. Because, God, I don't want any hindrance in the way. God, I don't want anything in the way that would break the fellowship that I have with you. God, I love you. You don't deserve me. And I certainly don't deserve you. But I'm glad that you love me enough to provide a way when I could see no way. Oh, God, you was able to make a way. Lord, we thank you for how good you are. Go with us in all we do and help us to always give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.